Hey, everybody, before we get started, I just want to take this opportunity to thank our $5 and up patrons. You guys rock. Yeah, thank you. You are keeping this show from plummeting into the sea with your uh, your support. Well, <laughs> at the very least, you're keeping us financially aloft while we try to pilot it directly sure. into the sea. <laughs> thank you to Tattooed Mermaid, Oof Boots, Patrick, Les Neanderthal, Vendera, Halleen, and David Taylor. God bless you. Everyone. Why did I say God bless you? That's not something I say. <laughs> did you sneeze? <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you guys. That was yeah. super awesome of you. We appreciate it. And uh, you are the real hero. For reals. We are not professionals. No, we are not. I think we're actually ready, though. Hello, friends. Welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that never wants to hear you say, I want it that way. I'm Joe. I'm David. And I'm Chris. And, um... Together, we are... The Schlumper Brothers. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is very confusing and unsettling. Joe, go take your uppers. You know, pretty much the first thing I said to my wife this morning was, in response to some oddness that I was doing, she said... That it was uh, concerning, but also a little bit impossible to ignore. Uh -huh. And I, I said, that was basically what I'm going for. Yeah, that is kind of everything yeah. you bring to the table. But yeah, we are going to, while uh, Kane is in reconstruction currently, long story, kind of boring. Chris, don't worry about it. Worry about what? Exactly. Right. What? Yeah. Uh, we're going to. questions. Shh, hush now. So while that happens, we're going to continue our deep dive into 80s anti-Dungeons and Dragons propaganda adventure, Darkest Dungeons. Mazes and Monsters. Fuck me, I keep doing that. Yeah, Mazes and Monsters, Darkest Dungeons is very different. Well, a little different. So real quick, I just, the thought just occurred to me, and I would like to point it out. We, all of us. Yes. And potentially some of some of our listeners. I can't imagine that like this podcast is going very far outside of the US. Maybe someday. But sometimes if we we check our our Spotify analytics. We do have non-American listeners occasionally. Well, okay, so so then I'll address the western world in general. Sure. We live in a culture. We where, live in a society where there is all kinds of injustices going on. Uh -huh. All the time, not just in, in the Western world, but, you know, overseas and all this stuff. And someone actually sat down and paid artists and writers and all this stuff to take down the menace of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Like time, effort and money went to this. Sure. But I think it's, it's worthwhile to maybe talk about the kind of atmosphere of what that was coming from at yeah, the time. And, and I mean, you, you have a better memory of that than, than I think Chris and I do. So you might be able to shed some insight there. Well, I don't think I was alive during that. No. And I mean, it was, it was all satanic panic bullshit mm -hmm. at that time, probably. And I don't know, I'm not an expert on the subject by any means, but it seemed like there was a rise in sort of esoteric occultish sort of things. Mm -hmm. You know, the church of Satan, had started to become newsworthy and popular and people knew about it, uh, you know, LaVey and all of that. And you had 
open worship and open practitioners of magic and Wicca and like other nature-based religions that were kind of coming up from the 70s and being more popular in the 80s was a real cultural blowback against that. You know, the age of Reagan was the age of, well, it was Make America Great Again version 1.0. Right. Like, that was exactly what it was. It was just this whole, like, culture war pushing back against the punks and the hippies and the occultists and anyone brown. And Dungeons & Dragons especially in the early days, leaned in heavily to a lot of those sort of tropes of demonology. And like, that was where the real fear came from, I think, because in the early game, like back during the Moldavay era and all of that shit, you had devils and demons that were given the name of actual devils and demons and called devils and demons Mm -hmm. in later editions they sort of backed away from that in the tsr days so that uh they could get some distance and still make the game but they never had lucifer necessarily but lots of named things and demonology demonological sort of iconography that from the outside would make you a little nervous. And the whole concept of the game, to someone who doesn't know what it is, Mm -hmm. you're pretending to be someone else, and you're cavorting with demons. That sounds scary and dangerous, right? It kind of sounds sexy. Yeah. I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate, well, as much as I can, not having experienced much of it, save for my, my crazy mom, I appreciate the background and the environment, but this is a cross that I will nail this this idea to, which is when I was in Christian college and I was a good Christian lad, I was being told all sorts of things about the homosexual agenda and the lifestyle and all that stuff, right? <laughs> and, you know, people would be debating it back and forth in the dorms. And, you know, the Bible has very clear stances on such things. Does it? From what I, from what I read, <clears throat> do not lie with a man as a, as a man lies with a woman. Yeah, Not I in mean, the original translations. Yeah, there's still some debate there. Yeah, but, um, that's, well, that, that's not really the point that I'm shooting. Right. For, but so that's the information that you were you were presented with. Sure, is right. the point that you're making. Also, so like you know, me thinking about it and trying to figure out what to think about it, I remembered that in Genesis, God created man uniquely with free will. Right. Right. Nothing else in the animal kingdom has free will, so nothing else can sin. Only humans can sin. Except apparently the serpent, who was not in fact the devil. Just no, just a, just snake. a snake that would happen to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but I came up with that. So my immediate question, you know, listening to my peers go back and forth and did, and come up with points and all this stuff that was entirely irrelevant. And so my square one was, okay, well, does homosexuality incur in the animal kingdom? Because if it does, then it can't be a sin. So I looked it up. And homosexuality occurs in the animal kingdom. Like, oh, okay. That giraffes in particular are hella gay. Mm-hmm. But my point being is that Dolphins I, was, as well, I, was, I, mm-hmm. I was submerged in this environment of anti-homosexuality. I was told that all my life. And all it took was one Google search. Like, if you really want to tussle with something that you think is evil, you can't be afraid to handle it. You can't be afraid to look into it and to understand it 
No, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So bringing that back to what you were saying. So yes, I do appreciate the environment that these fears came from. I don't think it excuses it. No, not at all. No. And I mean, it's, it's all standard. Like, I don't want this to come across sounding like it's politicized, but uh, conservative viewpoints, the conservative ideology, Mm -hmm. because ultimately what we're talking about here is like culture war, right? Right. It's about controlling the hearts and the minds and getting people to behave in a certain way because that is the way that feels like the most people will benefit if they're doing this thing. That's sure. That's why there is a culture war. Or, or, or it, you know, some version of history that they've kind of invented amongst themselves Mm -hmm. was the best period in history. Sure. And anything that deviates from that is dangerous and scary. And for some reason, people with an extremely conservative mindset Mm -hmm. tend to be a little bit less open to creative expression. Sure. Not to say there aren't tremendously good conservative artists and artisans. Well, I mean, the whole fast, like the, the, the sum and the substance of conservatism is unrevolutionary ideas. Right. So creativity in general box at that and, and even you know there's been great art that that has come from a place of a faith that exists oh sure how most art in the western world still i would say probably is religious in nature like sure for most of the art history of the west is history of religious art right, right. like the, that was the people that had money that were patrons of the arts so certainly you have your religious art being a major factor and i mean for fuck's sake dali was a fascist right and you don't get much more conservative than fascist you don't get much more creative and weird than dali sure so you know there's something to be said there but what dungeons and dragons and tabletop gaming in general does i think is allow people an expression of creativity it is ultimately a game of creation it's a game of making up stories you can't tell me that there's all that much difference between dungeons and dragons and cowboys and indians well no the only thing that D does ironically enough is is, is codify rules the rules <laughs> right. yeah you know it, it tells you how to determine whether the cowboy or the indian won mm-hmm. it's not just people shooting at each other saying bang i gotcha no yeah. you didn't like you roll a die and you compare it to numbers on a chart and you know it's funny um when gta 5 came out a video circulated of older people watching the game and watching some of the more uh violent acts being performed in it and a lot of the people older people were like oh my god no wonder this nation's in the gutter you know <laughs> And there was one guy there who was like laughing at all the violence and all. And, and after the end, they interviewed him and they said like, so like, do you, do you think this is ruining kids' lives? And I, I was drawing from this when I brought the Cowboys and Indians. But he said like, I don't know, man, when my friends and I were young, we pretended to have guns and shoot each other all the time. And none of them turned out to murder people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my dad talks about when he was a kid growing up. They used to play on the streets with BB guns and actual bow and arrow. They'd have the blunt target tips, 
but they'd shoot at each other with actual bows and right. BB guns. And that's how they played cowboys and Indians. Sure. So in general, I think in a lot of ways, we're uh, we're probably better off. Right. Simulated violence is certainly better than actual violence, right? Makes sense to me. And also, while I can see the knee-jerk response that playing violent video games is going to prime someone for violence, the multitude of studies that have been done over the last 20-odd years all tend to indicate that playing violent video games actually makes people less likely to respond violently in times of stress because they've already blown off steam that makes sense like there's something i remember reading once that was indicated something like for a period of time maybe half an hour or an hour after you finished playing you might be sort of elevated more inclined to you know like tense yeah you're you're tense you're just heightened and then it relaxes and you're like no i'm cool yeah I, I wrote a paper on this in college and everything that you're saying is what i found in my peer-reviewed studies that i cited Good, i'm not talking out my ass <laughs> <laughs> because we would never talk just utter bullshit on brainworms podcast god you know, no. it's it's been 15 minutes we haven't even touched a book yet <laughs> oh yeah we usually yeah the intro is usually much shorter i was just letting you guys go <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to skip ahead a bit. We'll get into that once we get into the uh, the meat of the thing. But before we do any of that, I should remind you to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com where you can support whatever the fuck we're doing over here with your money. And uh, you can find all of our other projects there as well. I think that's enough. I think we should get into it. Well, uh, also, David looked into it and the only thing that we really need to take over as we progress to the wacky parts of the book is that uh, we meet what was his name daniel yeah mm -hmm. basically i mean at this point i think we're, we're jumping forward we're gonna in our first take here on the book we got up through a few chapters and met the principal characters most of them and uh you know the a few that got left out daniel is the uh normal one of the bunch, he had a stable, healthy childhood in the suburbs and decided to go to college here at this school instead of going to MIT, which was close to home, because he wanted to get away from his normal, stable, mm -hmm. boring life and go and see what was out there. And then there's someone else named Robbie, and Robbie is like the new guy they pick up to replace, I think his name was Michael, that couldn't play with them anymore. Right. And they just don't really know him like sure. he's just a guy and then uh seemed like i was flipping through and not really reading it but skimming and it just seemed like uh most of the rest of the part one and then part two was just learning more about these characters so that we have some empathy for them and feel bad when things go wrong sure real quick guys are you sure that daniel's the one that goes crazy because in the imdb tom hanks plays robbie hmm I guess so, we'll find out. Yeah. But uh, we're jumping forward to part three, mm -hmm. Raising the Dead. You're not missing much. We're kind of skipping the boring parts and jumping into the exciting parts. It's true. You know, insofar as this book is going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. I mean, again, it's, I think, well-written, technically. It does get a little wordy sometimes, but mm. it's definitely written... In a sort of journalistic style, as we touched on before. Right. And, you yeah. know, as befits the author's background. And also, I this is 
a fiction work. Like this is not yeah, yeah. a work that is based on a true story, but it very much reads like one of those true crime reports. Yeah. And, and you, you know, I think this does have a lot of relationship to, to true crime as a genre. Right. Chapter one. Back in the dismal winter landscape of the deserted university, J.J. made it vibrant with the colorful creatures of his imagination. The school authorities had turned down the heat to save energy. I wish I had an imagination. But Merlin's heater kept their room nice and warm. Once, he ran into the security guard who asked for identification. Not because J.J. looked like a local vandal, but because he seemed too young to be there at all. And for some reason, after he had ascertained that J.J. was in the dorm legally... The security guard seemed sorry for him. J.J. couldn't understand why, since he was having the time of his life. He went methodically down his list of necessary props. If Merlin tells... If Merlin tells J.J. to pull the sword Excalibur out of someone's chest cavity, I'm, I quit. <laughs> I... Yeah, I mean... I, not least because that implies that Merlin would have put it into someone's chest cavity to begin with. <laughs> Or, or at and, least was aware of it being there. Right. Like, hey, uh, so you know your buddy who's got the sword sticking out of his chest? Don't worry about it. If you pull it out, <laughs> you'll be king. Yeah. That's, uh, huh. The king of rock and roll. He went methodically down his list of necessary props, checking off each one as he found it or bought it. He hadn't yet decided what the treasure should be, but there was plenty Bees. of time for that. Smaller treasures to keep the adventurers going were easier. But he had the feeling that the monsters in the caverns would be the real treasure. What? The the real <laughs> treasure was the friends we made along the way. You know, right. um, as a D&D player, if we're playing in Joe's game and we just walk into a cavern full of gold and no monsters, I am not going to like begrudge that fact. That would be sure. amazing. Although I think most of you would just be suspicious. Like, Yeah, I wouldn't touch any of that. Are you kidding me? No. No, that's just like a mimic. <laughs> That entire room that you mm -hmm. just fuck off out of the entire country at that point. <laughs> By the time the rest of the students had come back to the dorm, J.J. had everything he needed, neatly hidden away in one of the rooms of his caverns. He had now begun to think of them as his caverns, not the caverns, just as this production now was his game. Goodbye to Freelick the Frenetic of Glossomere, who had only been a player. Now he was the maze controller. The director, the scriptwriter, the set decorator, even the producer. He had begun to map his maze from the labyrinth of his caverns, and he kept the map hidden in his room where no one could find it. Way up his butt. You know, the, the book is describing all of this in a very nefarious way. Do you think that whoever wrote this thinks that movies are real? Yeah. <laughs> and that, like, plays are real, and that it's like, no, no, like, these are sets. Yeah, he's just making up a cool LARP in the movies, like, in the books, like, he was plotting his scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a very uh, realistic sort of take on what it is to be the dungeon master. Sure. You know, game master. Like, you are the director, the script writer, the set decorator. Right. And you're not yeah, wrong, right. but it does, it has this undertone, at least right, to me. that. Yeah. Sure. Of, like, it's... him rubbing his hands together and cackling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or, like... He has power and control. Joe, you're telling me that when you're sitting around planning your uh, <laughs> sessions, you're not like rubbing your hands together and cackling because... You're not wrong. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. 
I mean, the, actually, the part of that I don't buy is that you sit around and plan your sessions. But Yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> kind of think about them for a minute and then, oh shit, we have an hour until the game starts. <laughs> I need a map real quick. Relatable. Yep. Gang, real quick, real quick. I was sitting in my chair and I noticed that, that the Brainworms Facebook page had a message. And, and, you know, we have this charity event going. I don't think it'll be going. I think June will be over by the time this episode goes out. So I glanced at it real quick and it says, it, it's just, I don't know who this person is. It's just like a picture of a person's face. It's pretty generic. And the message said, hi, had a look over your profile. Seems like you're a great fit. Smooth My Balls is Go. interested in working with you. Can you please drop them a message here at Smooth My Balls? <laughs> Thanks. Give them a message and they will get back to you as soon as possible. Huh. What? Smooth my balls. Smooth my balls wants to work with us. I assume this is some kind of high concept spam and they're going to want like personal information or money or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, personally, I am quite happy with my balls being wrinkly. Sure. And I'm frightened of what kind of process would be involved in causing them to become smooth. It's not that complicated. Just just an iron. It's an iron. <laughs> Maybe Steam some press. pens. Just pull them and tack them into place. Roll them, mash them, stick them in the stew. <sighs> anyway, sorry about that interruption. This was the most creative project he had ever done in his life, and it fulfilled him almost completely. The only thing he still needed were his actors, and they were sequestered with their noses in their books, cramming for winter finals. He also needed human bones, his special scary present for Kate. I also need human bones. Don't ask why. For these, he went to his friend Perry, who was in pre-med. Perry was a simian-looking person with a gnome-like mind. What do you need human bones for? I just need them, JJ said. <laughs> That's I'll... not how you answer that question. <laughs> I just need I them. I just need them. <laughs> Give it to us, precious. It's like that dumpster full of spines that David has. Are you building a monument? <laughs> in your dorm i'm building a mystery <laughs> nice good reference i just need them jj said i'll trade you the use of my motorbike for two weeks in return for two days use of the bones hey good. <laughs> that's, that's he's bartering not... for the bones <laughs> two days bone use for two weeks of motorbike is a good trade <laughs> uh, yeah you're right that is a good deal hang here while i go murder someone yeah <laughs> Let me go get those bones for you. Yeah, let me go down to the cadaver room and see what I can dig up for you. <laughs> see whose remains I can desecrate for your fucking game. <laughs> if I let you have them, it would have to be on a weekend. I'd have to steal them out of the anatomy lab, and that's the only time no one will know. A weekend is just when I want them. Friday night till late Sunday night. Yeah, it, it needs to be on the weekend so that everyone thinks the bones are out partying. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just the obvious answer. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take pictures of the bones in really exciting poses. And everyone laughing when they're drinking whiskey, but it's just coming out their ribcage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I need these bones so I can scare the shit out of the girl I have a crush on. Because that's safe normal behavior <laughs> while we're playing a fantasy role-playing game in a cavern yeah that's off limits to everyone <laughs> joe what was that gif you sent me of the guy who tied a, a skeleton to his ceiling fan <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i love that gif so much perry squinted his eyes like the mad scientist i have to know why you need them though you don't have to know jj said 
you want to know. Just tell him you need it for your LARP. It's not like that's going to be any more or less reputable than you being weird and vague about it. Also, like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's what you need it for? Well, I was going to give it to you, but now that I know you're using yeah. it for a LARP, you know, that's an issue. Because now it seems like you want them for some weird sex thing. Because you're being real vague about why you need the bones. <laughs> like, no, I just need them for a weekend, bro. It's fine. I'm just going to smosh my genitals into them all weekend long. Boning. <laughs> See what you did there. I'm ashamed of myself. Do you think if I tried hard enough, I could poop my skeleton out? No, that's not how anything works. Mm -mm. What if I really, really Your skeleton tried? isn't inside of your colon, Chris. <laughs> no, but it's inside my body, and poop is inside of your body, and it comes out when you push. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah. Um, same thing. I can get them, and you can't. Okay, but don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody else to get the idea of invading my territory. I thought of it first, and it's my thing, okay? This is all the things an insane person would say. Yeah, like, this is not a good sales pitch for why you need these bones. Okay. Okay, he says. Oh, don't tell anybody. I'll tell you, but you can't tell anyone else, okay? It's for me. It's my precious. Oh, if man. you tell anyone, then I'll get bones my way. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like that's on that might have been my my cell. Like, I mean, I can get them from you, or I can get them somewhere else. It's really your call. No, I was <laughs> saying that like if he tells anybody, then he's gonna get that guy's bones. By oh, killing right. him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's LARPing, right? So all you need to do is like print out a skull JPEG and just leave it in the cavern. He's very committed to realism, Chris. Also. In 1980, there was no printing a JPEG. Nor were there JPEGs, I don't believe. Right. I don't think the JPEG yeah. image format. God, how did you guys do anything? You're so, so old. I mean, in 1980, I was two. So I wasn't really doing much of anything at that point. You're printing out ASCII art of a skull with a dot matrix printer, <laughs> I think. A couple of us are going to play mazes and monsters in the caverns, JJ whispered triumphantly. Oh boy, you really are nuts, Barry said. <laughs> You're sure doing a good job making this not sound like a sex thing. <laughs> do I get the bones? Why don't you use animal bones? All you have to do is boil the carcass. You're going to make me question. throw up, JJ said. I, You're really going to play in the caverns, Perry said. Like most of the people at Grant, he had heard of the game and knew that it was popular on the campus, even though it, he didn't play it himself. You know, you could get lost in there and die. This scene, I'm sorry to interrupt again. I just, this scene feels like it was like the dialogue and everything the, and the logic was constructed by two people separated by a thick pane of glass that didn't know sign language, but nonetheless had to communicate what was happening in the scene via sign language. I feel like a lot of that is probably because I've literally read one line of dialogue <laughs> and then had 15 seconds of sidetrack between yeah. every sentence like sorry to be just, fair it's a weird scene it dude. is a weird scene i mean we have a lot to say about it but i'm guessing that perry is like someone he he does say he's his friend so right. like he's a pre-med guy he's friends like buddies help buddies right yeah you want <laughs> bones for some weird reason you nut job but okay fine whatever you nut job <laughs> You know, you could get lost in there and die. We know, J.J. said. You're not going to lose my bones? 
If we get lost and die in the caverns with your bones, they'll come and look for us, and then you'll get even more bones. Stop talking That ought to make you happy. Bones. And I get free gas for the motorbike, Perry said. They shook hands on their deal. JJ said he'd let them know the date. He knew Perry would probably tell a few people, but it didn't matter. They would never tell the school authorities, and none of Perry's friends played the game. The chance of another group trying to play in the caverns was extremely rare. It was much more likely that they would come to J.J. and ask to be included. Even so, J.J. didn't want strangers. Yeah, real weird scene. Like, yeah. I mean, this, this definitely demonstrates the... I, I don't know. If you're going to play D&D, don't play D&D in a cavern that mm-hmm. is off-limits on your college campus in secret. Don't put your actual lives in danger. Right. Yeah. This... Don't play with this fucking weirdo that's begging for bones. In fact, yeah, don't hang I mean, out it's... with him. Wouldn't this just be solved by going to like a Halloween decoration store? I was just thinking that. I was like, yeah. did they not have Halloween Express? It's the winter time. Like, surely, I guess it's probably post-Halloween at this point. Yeah, you but... might not have been able to get a prop skeleton in the winter in 1984 or whenever the fuck. 1980. Sure. So yeah, they might just you know, might not have had year-round Halloween decoration availability. It just feels like this is a kid who, like, I need 50 cents to buy ice cream for the ice cream truck. I'm gonna go rob a bank. Like, what? You you missed a few steps, man. Like, (laughs) I mean, he's not stealing the bones. He's borrowing them from the campus anatomy lab. Yeah, he wants it to be realistic, I guess. I don't want to use animal bones. That don't make me throw up. I'm going to use actual bones that were once a person. Right. Yeah. But I think it was less the I would throw up because they were animal bones and more the I would throw up because I had to boil the carcass and get the bones myself thing and that how he was is objecting that less, to. Uh, you, you eat chicken. How is that less morbid than handling real human bones because the real human bones are already bleached and dried and you don't have to do anything to prep them they're just bones the animal bones are coming from the inside of an animal (laughs) like the implication there being you would have to gather them yourself by going and finding a dead dog or something and then some roadkill skinning it and boiling it to remove everything yeah yeah I can see why you wouldn't want to go to that trouble. Stringing them together in a way that's pleasing to your God. Right. I mean, that's all a lot of work. Yeah. Just ask my corner. Wait, what? Never mind. Um, Remember, he said, secrecy is of the essence. Yeah, yeah, Perry said. It's my ass too, you know. Oh, joy. Oh, bliss. Oh, gleeful wonder. Everything was falling into place so well. (laughs) What? that's a weird <laughs> sentence to yeah. just happen right there uh, uh, david i'm sorry i know that you want to like read more than one sentence but just like you accomplished one thing like everything's falling into place <laughs> <laughs> and and this is an aside and again i'm sorry david i know you just want to read this book but if you're in- entering in any kind of arrangement with another person like they're asking you a favor or or they're engaging with you in any way and they really feel like they have to underline, like, look, don't don't tell anybody about this. No, seriously, nobody can nobody can know what we're doing here. Back out of the deal. <laughs> because like if you're if you're doing some some semi legal or illegal shit. I mean, if you're trading Yu-Gi-Oh cards and then he's like, no well, one can know that. about like, this. Like, 
Like if you like, you know, like, you know, say you're buying some drugs, then both of you know not to tell anyone about that. Like it, it's a mutually understood. This is not information that should be out in the open. So if you're entering into an arrangement with another person and they're really insistent that you not tell anyone, then it's not implied. Like it's like you should be you need to be made aware that this is top secret. Oh, I see. And it immediately becomes sketchy. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're going to go and play a game in some forbidden caverns and I need human bones for it. Implicitly, Carrie's don't tell anyone about this. Yeah. I feel like that's just, it's not necessary to say it and underscoring it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Does just crank up the sketch level. It does. Like, okay. Um, what the fuck are you planning to do in the Forbidden Caverns with right. human bones, dude? Like, this says no longer a game. Yeah. Oh, you think this was a game? Because, like, yeah, because clearly the the, stu- the med student, they weren't going to tell anyone to start with. And now it's a big deal that it's a secret. <sighs> Reading period, when everyone studied for exams, was a time of hushed terror in the dorms. There were no parties. People went to the library. Even the constant blare of music from all the individual stereo sets was muted, background for memorizing. The people who had neglected their work up till now were frantic. There was much trading of notes and all-night sessions to catch up. Normally pale anyway at this time of year, now most of the students looked sick, with worry, sleeplessness, and the effect of a vast consumption of coffee, junk food, nicotine, and pills to stay awake. Sounds like my twenties. Yeah. J.J. looked and felt very chipper. Daniel and Kate, although they studied, seemed normal. J.J. was on a lot of coffee and pills. Yeah. (laughs) Cocaine! (laughs) Poor Robbie was haggard and drawn. All romances were put on hold during this period of fear. Better than to be drawn and quartered. (laughs) After all, if you flunked out, you'd probably never see the person you were in love with again. Not to mention never getting a decent job. Suffering the wrath of your parents, the disdain of the world, and the loss of your own self-respect. No pressure. <laughs> that's funny. That's that's just the environment that colleges have gone through from that time period to now, where it's basically just a glorified high school. Yeah, and I feel like the it was still like that, even as far back as the 60s. I don't feel like, I think maybe that's just what this person understands about the college environment. I mean, it was very true, more true then i think than it is now that if you were going to school and you flunked out of school mm-hmm. you were seriously jeopardizing any hope for a future sure admittedly just the act of going to college now regardless of how well you do seriously jeopardizes any hope for a future because you're not guaranteed to get a job but you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life paying for it it's true so why fucking bother? Right. But, uh, you know, that's another conversation for another day, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Go to fucking trade school, kids. <laughs> uh, Go to art school. Yeah. Hey. Go and do what you want, because yeah. it really doesn't matter. Yeah, like, um, in, instead of going to college, like, how about you, you spend time on a hippie commune, really self-examining to figure out what you do want out of life? I mean, you can do that not on a hippie commune. You can, but I mean, it's a lot of fun. That's fair. (laughs) One night, around 11.30, when he had returned from his secret nightly trip to the caverns... Where he masturbated repeatedly. With bones. With his bones. (laughs) 
JJ came tapping on Kate's door, carrying a thermos of hot coffee. Coffee break, madam. She looked pleased to see him and put her book down immediately. How sweet. Thank you. He sat down on her bed and poured coffee for both of them. How's it going? Oh, it's okay. I just sometimes wonder how the professors know what the authors had in mind. We have to spit back whatever they tell us in class, and I think, if I'm a famous writer someday, will people make up what they think I meant and then make other people agree with them? Yep. Probably, yeah. JJ Sorry. said. <laughs> Unless you write the textbook yourself. And no, that's absolutely right. That's what English is. That's, that's like what studying English is. Mm-hmm. Just oh, having some professor tell you what they think some author thought yeah. and telling you you're wrong if you tell them they are wrong. Yep. Because it's not about thinking for yourself. The most important part is coming up with the right answer. That's right. <sighs> and that applies to all of life because in life there are many right answers and wrong answers instead of just ambiguous answers and results. Especially when it comes to, you know, art. Yeah. As an aside, I've talked about this before. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it here on this show, but uh, I have a, a project that I want to do one day that is just collecting other artists' artist statements. Mm. For a second, I thought you were going to say collecting bones. No, that too. No, just going and like taking photographs of or somehow collecting the artist statements for various pieces of work that I see at galleries Mm-hmm. And then having a gallery show of those artist statements and critiquing them. Sure. Because really, at the end of the day, the actual art doesn't matter. It could literally be anything. No one gives a fuck in the art world. They just want to know that you have some line of bullshit that you can spew that makes it seem important and relevant in some way. Right. You're not being judged on the quality of your art. You're being judged on the ability to make other people believe that your art is quality. Right. Because that's what makes your art marketable. Right. And And that's what matters at the other end. That's right. God, I went into a restaurant a couple of days ago and there was a shepherd fairy print in the restaurant mm-hmm. is, is selling for a thousand dollars damn is is that just like a painting it wasn't even a painting it was a print it was a i don't know what that means specifically it's a reproduction of an original piece of art okay thank you yeah yeah so like a uh, and you know sometimes prints are the original art in and of themselves Depending on the method of the printmaking, they may only do one. Sure. And I think that's what this was. It was just a one-off print, like a a lithograph or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's what Shepard Fairey does. He doesn't really paint or, you know, a lot of his stuff is print work. Sure. I don't care for him. I think he's way overblown. But uh, I couldn't believe that this, like, random print was selling for $1,000 only because it has Shepherd Fairy's name on it. That's the only reason this piece of art. I will go to my fucking grave right. with that. Like, fuck the art world. Yeah. Just fuck the art world. Make art. Make all the art you can. Make it every goddamn day. But fuck the art world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, and, and not to so Fans too of hard. anything ruin everything. I mean that. <laughs> But again, it's just, you know, the, the influence of, of capital uh-huh. just ruining anything and everything of value. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But I mean, you know, that's, again, the reason that we remember the names of famous artists from the Renaissance 
isn't because these people were technically skilled or amazing at what they did, although that may have been true. Mm -hmm. They're remembered because wealthy patrons paid them a lot of money right. to make art. And that art persists due to the wealthy patrons. So oh, yeah. it's oh, yeah. always been that way. I'm not sure if I'm not getting... I, I, I just I decided to Google Shepard Fairey, and I'm not sure if I'm not getting it because it seems like he's posting images of a lot of particular... I'm willing to say these are figures in history, which I know very little of, but just looking at it, like I'm not really getting much. The most famous work that he did, he started as a street artist. He was a graffiti artist, um, and... His most famous work is the Obey with a, it's like taking Obey from the movie They Live mm -hmm. and matching it with a crudely drawn Andre the Giant. Yeah. And I mean, Shepard Ferry is the guy who made the uh, Obama Hope yeah. poster thing which he got in trouble for because he literally took someone else's photograph without permission oh, and created his work from it. So yeah, you know, whatever I, I can respect the artist Shepard Fairey. I don't care for his art personally, right? but I think the fact that he is commanding so much money is just ridiculous. Like sure. I feel the same way about Banksy, but, Banksy at least has the dignity to also agree with me mm -hmm. that it's ridiculous that his work commands as much money as it does. And yeah, and actively parody that fact. Right. But, you know, ever since there were golden toilets and fucking paintings of pipes that are labeled, this is not a pipe, the art world has known that it is itself a just ridiculous parody of itself. So. Sure. Before you get too far into whatever the fuck you're going on about, about gold toilets and pipes that aren't pipes, we're coming up on the hour mark-ish. Do you think this is a good place to stop and come back next time? Yeah, I need to step away and have a thought about peaceful, good art, like, I don't know, Monet or something. Sure, sure. I think, seriously, it sucks. It's, it's always sucked to be an artist. You're not wrong. <sighs> yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah. Let's give this one a, a minute to, to simmer. <laughs> Just, yeah. Calm yourself down. So I guess I'm going to remind you all, like I feel like I constantly do, to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com, where you can support the show. We're supported by viewers like you. Gotten so good at that vowel. Yeah. So proud well, of because Kane rode my ass about it for months. And uh, thank you for listening. We're very sorry. We're so sorry. This has been a production of Brainworms Podcast. Any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review. Brainworms podcast is David Holmes, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepod Number no. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listing app.
then I'll get bones my way.